The One Voice DSM podcast shares the story of major projects and initiatives shaping our region and highlights the key players and the Greater Des Moines Partnership investors who are making them happen. Each episode, you'll learn about a game-changing project and hear an in-depth conversation with community leaders who are helping drive it forward with one voice and one mission as one region. I'm your host for today's recording, Tiffany Tauschek, Chief Strategy Officer of the Greater Des Moines Partnership. Let's listen to the interview. Welcome to the One Voice DSM podcast. Today, I'm very pleased to be joined by Steve Chapman. Steve is a retired business executive, longtime board member, and past board chair of the Greater Des Moines Partnership. Steve is one of the original founders of the partnership that was founded 20 years ago. Steve has also served as board chair, was instrumental in the transition of the Greater Des Moines Chamber of Commerce Federation to the Greater Des Moines Partnership. So today we've invited him in to talk about the history of the partnership, the growth of the partnership in our region, and what we can all learn from the journey so far as we move forward. So this promises to be a very exciting and engaging conversation, and I can't wait to get started. So to kick things off, Steve, please tell us the story. Tell us all about how the Greater Des Moines Partnership came to be in 1999. First, Tiffany, good morning, and thank you for the opportunity to be here. Um, How it all began. It really began back in December of 1998. Uh, I was the vice chair of what was then the Greater Des Moines Chamber of Commerce. And Len Horak was the chairman. Uh, Len was obviously nearing the end of his term, which would have ended December 1998. And I was the incoming chair in January of 1999. And about... Two weeks into December, the president of the Des Moines Chamber at the time, um, Michael Reagan, resigned from his position. So obviously I had concern as the incoming chair without leadership. So I called Len and said, Len, you know, what are you doing to replace Michael? And he goes, well, Steve, I'm not going to do anything because... It's going to be on your watch. So I thought about that and realized I really couldn't expect him to do anything because he didn't have time. So it caused me a great deal of pause in that now I'm inheriting an organization without leadership. And at the time, it also uh, was an opportunity to think about where we were. The Greater Des Moines Chamber of Commerce was an organization that had weakened as far as performance. Economic development was not being achieved. We did not have a long-term economic development strategy. Uh, Bill Knapp, a very important business leader, became very frustrated and was going to form a new organization called Choose Des Moines Communities, which basically was going to pull economic development out of the chamber. And when you pull economic development out of a organization tasked with building a community, it's like pulling its heart out of the organization. It cannot continue. The chamber at that time was project-driven. And when I say project-driven, each incoming chair had their project, and the entire staff rallied around that project. And for about eight to 10 months, they would do everything they could to succeed in the implementation of a project. The challenge with that is there was no long-term focus. You know, every 12 months, there was a shift. So, You know, you can't build an effective organization all around short-term, basically short-term goals. You have to have a long-term strategy. So when I thought about that, it occurred to me that right at that point in time, we had four organizations in Greater Des Moines that were all meeting and talking about the very same things. We had Des Moines Development Corporation, which truly was the organization that had senior leadership, business leadership within our community, and also, as a result, had 
tremendous financial ability. We had the Greater Des Moines Chamber, which I have explained was weakening. We had the Downtown Partnership, which basically focused on downtown projects. And we had the Greater Des Moines Committee, which really was an offshoot of the chamber, but had members that were very important business leaders. They cared greatly for our community and our direction. So when I thought about that, I thought, you know, the same companies are funding all of these organizations. And the members of the boards of these organizations are meeting, talking about the very same things every month. But nobody is moving the ball. So I came to understand Bill Knapp's frustration with economic development. And I also came to understand if we could pull those funds into one area, consolidate those boards, simplify our design, or our organizational structure, we could achieve a lot. But key was going to be the quality of leadership to make this happen. So as I thought about that, I knew I needed some time, so I called Bill Knapp, and I said, Mr. Knapp, I am going to become the chairman of what is the chamber today, but have some ideas of potentially reorganizing it. And Mr. Knapp, we need economic development as part of our structure. So I would like you to stand down on Choose Des Moines Communities. And he said, that's not going to happen. Steve, we need to get things moving in this community. We need to generate more business. We need to retain our businesses. It's not going to happen. Well, we were near the Christmas holidays, and I knew he was going out of town. So I said, Mr. Knapp, can we do this? Can you give me a couple weeks? And then we'll meet again after the holidays. And he said, well, Steve, I'll do that, but I, I'm not sure it's going to change anything. So at least I had some time, not that he was going to completely get this organization up and running that quick. Um, so I thought long and hard, and I had worked with a lot of business leaders and volunteers um, over the years trying to, to make a difference in Greater Des Moines. And there was a former chair of the chamber that stood out to me, and he's a good personal friend and has been since we were 18 or 19 years old, and that's Steve, Steve Zumba. When Steve came in to chair the chamber, he really had a, a focus on attracting the right industries, doing what was required to develop marketing plans and securing financing and building targeted industries for Greater Des Moines. It was called Project 21. It was his baby. And Project 21 had some steam for a short period of time, and then we went right back into the short-term focus and didn't continue. But I was always impressed by Steve's thought, and so I decided I'm going to hire him. So on New Year's morning, I should say New Year's Eve morning, December 31st, 1998, Steve Zumba and I meet at the Village Inn at 7 o'clock in the morning. And I sit down with him and articulate what we need to try to do. And I indicated to him that, Steve, we don't have time. If the chamber is going to become viable, we have to change it. And that means collapsing boards, taking away organizations, consolidating funding. And Steve, as you know, as well as I do, you got some pretty important people chairing these boards and they're not going to be quick to dissolve themselves. So it's going to be a challenge. 
And he said, well, Steve, I, you know, I like what you're thinking, but how do you think we can get that done? And I said, the only way we're going to get it done is by the quality of person we hire to run it. I mean, Steve, if we have the right person to run it, then people will support it because they'll believe in our ability. And he said, well, who is that going to be? I said, well, that's why I asked you to breakfast. Steve, I want you to resign from the Bellin firm, and I want you to become the president of this new organization. Well, Steve looked across the table at me and said, are you crazy? Steve, <laughs> I've been working so hard to build my reputation in an industry that I'm passionate about and my client base, and I'm finally there, and you want me to quit? I can't do that. Steve, I can't leave the firm. And I said, well, Steve, you've got to think beyond yourself at this point in time. And he goes, then why don't you do it? I mean, there's no reason you can't come in and do it. I said, well, Steve, I can't hire myself. And candidly, I like the way I had thought this out better than the way you're trying to reverse it. So long story short, Steve didn't, uh, he didn't accept the position. But he did accept the thought. And for about three hours that morning, we sat at a table over coffee and toast with papers all over talking about what should be. How do we design a new organization? How do we make economic development its core focus? How do we take the dollars that are being spent and make more happen with that investment? And as we talked, we got back to leadership. And I said, Steve, my challenge, and really my challenge is our challenge. We don't have time to go on a national search. We don't have time. The chamber is breathing hard as it is. I guarantee we will lose our opportunity if we don't do it quickly. And so at that point in time, um, he said, well, when you think about success in the state of Iowa from an economic development standpoint, Steve, what do you think about? I said, Cedar Rapids, priority one. They're doing an outstanding job. Steve, it's unbelievable how well they've done. He said, well, who runs that? I said, Mike Bluen, you know that. And he just smiled at me and the lights went off. And I said, Steve, that's a great thought. We're going to go after Michael Bluen. So we ended the breakfast after we had established a timeline for things to happen. And that very day, I called Michael Bloen. And I indicated that we were working on something in Des Moines that felt, we felt he would be very interested in being a part of. And I would like to meet with him as soon as the holiday was over. So right after New Year's Day, Michael Bluen came to Des Moines and we sat down and orchestrated a thought and what it could become. And Michael looked at it and said, how are you going to get all this done that quick? And do you think the community will support it? Do you think the business leaders will support it? And we shared with him that, you know, if we couldn't prove to him that we could get it done, then... You know, he would not be asked to accept the position. But if we could prove to him, we could develop something new. And that's when the name Greater Des Moines Partnership hit the table because it was a partnership. Would he be interested in that position? And he said he wanted to go back, talk to Susan, his wife, and... Uh, He'd get back to us. 
Well, we never, we never slowed down at that point. We used the time. I mean, we started meeting with people. We started developing the, the organization from the standpoint of mission, uh, vision. Uh, we started talking about, you know, future funding, how it would, how it would operate within central Iowa. And about that time, Bill Knapp came back. So I asked to meet with Mr. Knapp, and I explained to him what we were looking to do. And his initial reaction was, I like it, but it hasn't proven itself. And I said, well, Mr. Knapp, in all seriousness, neither has choose Des Moines communities, but I know how much you believe in it. Wouldn't you rather believe in something that's us today? with the right people in place that could hit the ground fast and have all of the resources of central Iowa from the business community committed to it? Instead of starting another organization which confuses things even more? And he said, I'll think about it. You need to, you need to share more with me. So at that point in time, we were fairly convinced we were going to get this done. And we gave ourselves three months. So think about that. We're going from an organization that's failing to recreating an entirely new organization by merging all the organizations together, bringing in new leadership, and changing its mission. I shouldn't say changing. I should say reinforcing what should have been its mission. And so we met with Mike Bluen again and asked Mike to come to a dinner because we thought we don't have a lot of time. We can't run Mike around town in individual interviews. So we're going to put a dinner together at the Des Moines Club and we're going to invite the key decision makers in this community to that dinner the people that really make things happen. You know, you can put names like Bill Knapp on that list. You certainly could put, you know, Barry, Barry Griswold. You could put Connie Weimer. There were a lot of people that, when I say a lot, I think we had 16 people at that dinner. So we asked Mike Bloom to come over. And we asked him to stay out basically until we invited him in and we basically walked through this and built the story to these 16 people. We let them see what we had been working on so hard and then we shared with them the importance of leadership and what it would take and that the right individual was Michael Bloon. And we walked through Michael's successes in Cedar Rapids with Priority One. And the, you know, the question came, would he be interested? And we said, yes, he would be interested. In fact, he's out in the hall right now. And the reason we've asked him to come here tonight was because we want all of you to ask him the hard questions. We want you to ask the things that really cause you either concern or hope based on what we can do. And so at that point in time, we brought Michael into the room and Michael did about a five minute overview of what priority one was and how they had been operating. But he also took the time to talk about how much he liked what Des Moines was trying to do. And then we opened it up. Questions were great. Hard questions. Questions directing at his abilities. Questions that came out of what he would need from the community to, to succeed. You know, it's the kind of questions that really come out 
as if a new organization or company was being invested in and how to ensure a return on that investment. And so after probably an hour to an hour and a half, Michael was excused. But before he left, I said to everyone, please, if there's anything else on your mind, anything that would impact the decision process that we're trying to make, please ask it now because we don't have time for this to go on. If we're going to succeed in securing Michael's commitment, he needs to believe that you're committed to him. You know, Bill Knapp said, I think the stars have aligned tonight. And I, I, I'm serious, I, I almost slumped in my chair because we had worked so hard to gain his support. And when he said that, I knew that we were very close to making this a reality. So after that, Michael went back. We made a formal offer and we began to meet with the leadership of the organizations that I mentioned earlier about merging into a new entity called the Greater Des Moines Partnership. And so as we're working through that, we're right down to getting everything aligned and we're in a meeting. And when I say we, it was the individuals that uh, were chair or chairs of these different organizations at that time and their vice chairs. And so when we're right down to the end, Michael hasn't accepted the job yet. So it had been out there for about a week. And I had called him before this last meeting and said, Michael, we really have to have a decision. And he said, Steve, I know, I know, and I will be back to you. So we didn't wait for his decision to continue to do what we needed to do. And if he would have said no, we were done. We were, this organization was moving. So we would have had to find an interim leader. In that last meeting, we called the vote on the organizations coming together as part of this new organization. And uh, I had indicated to Teresa Waylert, who was head of Northwestern Bell here at the time, I think it was Northwestern Bell, prior to their name change, and indicated, Teresa, I never carry a cell phone into a meeting, but if my phone vibrates, I'm leaving the room. I need you to pick up and continue this meeting. And Teresa Waylert, Suku Radia, uh, Barbara Henry, John Forsyth were vice chairs of mine after I became chair. So my phone vibrated. I got up and left. Teresa takes over chairing the meeting. It was Michael Bluen. He accepted the job. I walked back into the room, and the question came up, has Michael Bluen accepted this position? And I said, yes, he just did. And I said, or no, the question came, pardon me? I said, the reason I got up was that was Michael Bluen. He just officially accepted the job. Governor Ray was at the table, and Governor Ray said, well, Steve, I got to ask a question. What if he would have said no? <laughs> and I said, <laughs> Governor, um, we were prepared for that. It wasn't something we wanted to do, but we were prepared. And at that point in time, the Greater Des Moines Partnership had leadership, it had the votes of the boards, and for the balance of 1999 from March on, we started to integrate and put together new boards, new structure, and launch what is now the Greater Des Moines Partnership. 
Interestingly, you know, with the Michael Bluen story, and I got to give a lot of credit to the success of the Greater Des Moines Partnership to Michael Bluen, because he was the first CEO to come into an organization that did not exist in a time when we really weren't making headway, and he really put it together. Michael did an unbelievably good job of getting the Greater Des Moines Partnership off to the right start and setting the pace for what it has become today. And, you know, I guess further reinforcing that, Michael was so good that obviously the governor of Iowa recruited him to become a head of economic development for the state. So we know he was very good at what he did. But when it came down to hiring Michael, I had to go to my vice chairs, who I mentioned before. Um, actually, it was John Forsyth, Suku Radia, Teresa Whaler, Barbara Henry, and Chuck Johnson, who used to head Pioneer. And uh, I indicated to the vice chairs that we were going to not go on a nationwide search, that we were going to target an individual and hire him. And the reason was we didn't feel we had time. If we went on a national search and hired somebody from out of state, it would take them over a year to learn what we were about, to understand our culture. So figured the search, search process would take a year, another year to get this person going. We didn't have time. We were going to get somebody in 30 days. And I needed the vice chairs to, you know, to vote on that and accept it. And all but one of the vice chairs said, Steve, we agree. We're, we're supportive. One of my vice chairs said, I disagree. I think you're doing the community an injustice by not going on a national search to see what's out there. Um, so I'm not in favor of the direction. And I very much respect this individual and said to them, you know, I do want you to understand your voice is heard and I respect what you've said to me, but I have the votes I need to proceed on the path that we've started and that's what we're going to do. I will say this, if it's wrong and doesn't work out, you can hold me accountable. And I'll never forget them looking across the table at me and saying, and you bet I will. Oh, gosh. So there was a lot of stress and, you know, tension about doing everything right. But a real tribute to this community is how fast everything got done. And that is the reality of the quality of business leaders we have that put their own priorities aside to embrace something that's right for the community as a whole. And so the Greater Des Moines Partnership, you know, it just, I look at it and what I always have felt, you know, is out of challenge comes opportunity. And we were challenged. And we could have tried to continue down the path we were on, which by measuring performance was the wrong path, or we could create something that would forge a new path for Central Iowa that truly would bring in more people to the table, bring in more ideas, um, and would be more performance-driven than what we had in place. And we had established the right metrics and priorities to ensure success. The foundation that you set has certainly paid off. Here we are more than 20 years later, the Greater Des Moines Partnership represents 10 counties, 24 affiliates, 
6,400 members and more than 360 investors. When you hear those numbers, what do you think? Well, the first thing that comes to mind is pride. You know, pride in in some way playing a role in that. But more importantly, pride in just seeing what our community can do. And I, I truly believe that's what makes Des Moines so unique. Um, it, it was the right idea. But, you know, not every right idea succeeds. It takes people. It doesn't matter how great of idea anyone has if you don't have the right people in place to bring life to that idea. And that's what this community did. When you think about the growth and the people that helped push that vision, the foundation, the goals, the strategies forward, what other factors do you think have have led to the growth over the last 20 plus years? Are there specific projects that come to mind or uh, specific initiatives that you think really stand out and helped us with furthering our path? Well, the Major Projects Task Force was very important, and that was headed by Jack Ream at Meredith Corporation. And I think the Major Projects Task Force, you know, identified some projects that were going to basically redefine who we, who we were as a community. Um, great people, great minds, selected the right projects. That made a difference. I think reaching out beyond Des Moines to the surrounding communities and asking them to get involved and to be a part has helped tremendously. And what we saw over the years was we have had some very, very successful suburbs. Um, And the suburbs really at one time didn't look at downtown Des Moines as something that they were involved with. It was competition to them. You know, West Des Moines was growing rapidly, and you look at other, Ankeny and others, and they looked at downtown Des Moines maybe as competition rather than what we looked at as a region the partnership by pulling all of those, you know, those governments into the partnership, put together a regional vision, and everybody understood if we didn't have a strong Des Moines, we were not going to have strong suburbs. We were not going to have strong surrounding communities. It really took you know, people that understood that. And I credit the mayors and councils around Des Moines for embracing what the Greater Des Moines Partnership could do for all, not for downtown Des Moines. And that was, you know, that was the thought process from the beginning is we had to look at everything we had and make sure that we utilized it to work together to achieve greater goals than what we could in the past. So from the types of projects that were launched to the commitment of the surrounding communities um, to inclusiveness, the table got bigger. You know, you look around the board table today at a Greater Des Moines Partnership meeting, it looks different. When I was first involved, it was much smaller and it was much older. Um, And it was much wealthier. (laughs) (laughs) So a lot more control in the hands of fewer people. Mm -hmm. But what what, what do you miss with that? You miss new ideas. You miss thoughts from people that are the future, not the past. And so as we expanded 
you can look at diversity, you can look at age, you can look at talent, you can look at all types of things. And all of that came to the table in the partnership. And it wasn't at the table at the chamber. It's interesting that you point out that the table got bigger. That's something that the partnership we've been talking about quite a bit, that we need to continue to bring more people around the table, make the table bigger. What, what advice do you have for us as we continue down this path of working to get more and more perspectives, voices at that bigger table? In actuality, I would compliment you. I think you're doing it. I do. I think you're doing an outstanding job. And just one organization that proves that out is the Greater Des Moines Leadership Institute. I mean, there was a time that, you know, you may get 20, 25 members of the Leadership Institute. Every year, they fill the ranks and have a waiting list of young people that want to be involved. And the quality of these young people that are getting involved is far better. You know, <clears throat> when I was CEO of a company, I used to tell our leadership team, you know, let's not bring all these young, talented people in and have them become us. Because if we're going to bring all these young, talented, smart people in and they become us, then we're going no farther than we are today. We've got to listen to them. We've got to encourage them to see the faults within our organization and give us ideas on how to make it better. Because we've gotten so close to who we are that we can't see beyond. They don't see things that way. Now, grant you, they, they, they have the attention span of a gnat, and that's just something you're going to have to get used to. But encourage that thought. And that's what happened in expanding the partnership. I mean, we're seeing things through youth today. I look at some of what's taken place in this city and I know, you know, when I look at culture and the arts and the things that are happening, it's coming from our younger people. And it's wonderful. So we became stronger in almost every area of measurement. And the people today that are involved, they care. Now I want to go back and give credit where credit's due for that. The generation of leaders before mine, the John Ruans, the John Fitzgibbons, the Bill Knapps, the Dave Crideneers, the Marvin Pomerantzes. There was a group of business people that controlled things in Des Moines. And they gave a lot back. But they always were willing to let young people get involved. Um, I know that Suku Radia, Steve Zumba, and I have been volunteering together in this community for 40 years. I mean, the three of us, if one of us got involved in something, all three of us were involved in it. And we listened to those business leaders. We watched them. We learned from them. And they said something early on, and I, I think it's the difference in who we are. They told us that we would be welcome to be involved in anything that they were working on. But when there was a need for money, we were going to write a check. Now understand, we're in our middle to upper 20s at the time. 
And they made it clear, you're not going to write the same level of check we are, nor are you going to be asked to. But you're going to write a check. And then someday you're going to be able to write checks like we do. And you're going to ask others to continue to do the same things. We were taught the quality of leadership that made this community great from them. And the other thing that I have so much respect for them, um, they never accepted no. I mean, the Civic Center is a prime example. You know, when the Civic Center went to referendum, it failed. Because nobody believed enough in downtown and nobody believed that it would make a difference. And so the people voted it down. And it really upset John Fitzgibbons, who was really leading a lot of things at the time. And I guess the story is he called Mr. Ruan and said, what do you think of that? Mr. Ruan said, well, the people spoke. We're done. We're not building it. John Fitzgibbons said, yes, we are. We're building it. And Mr. Ruan said, well, how are we going to do that? He said, I'll be in your office in five minutes. He walks out of his office, goes to Mr. Ruan's office. He said, I'll tell you how we're going to build it. You're in for $5 million. I'm in for $5 million. Now let's go see Crydenier. And they just kept going. And they built it. And they did it because they knew they knew we needed to start to believe in ourselves again. And we needed to bring people back downtown. And if we we're going to bring people back downtown, we need to have entertainment venues to bring people back downtown. It was a beginning. So that leadership, we learned so much. The great thing about today, you got so many more people involved, you don't have to write as big a checks as those guys have to write. <laughs> we can get things done. Plus, the quality of our business community is much larger today and more involved today. I mean, all you have to do is look at the members of the Greater Des Moines Partnership. All you have to do is look at the capital campaigns and what we've been able to do. One of the big projects that you, Steve Zumba, and Suku Radia have recently said yes to playing a leadership role in is Central Iowa Water Trails. Why did you decide to say yes to that transformational project? That's a really good question. And I'd say that Steve Zumba and Suku Radia had a lot to do with it. Um, Actually, I was involved, as I know Suku is, but I was involved in other fundraising projects and very committed to raising money for those projects when the water trails was brought to me. And once again, Suku and Steve and I met at 7 o'clock in the morning at a breakfast. And, you know, it was Steve Zumbaugh that looked across and said, it doesn't matter all the things that we're doing. How do you feel about this project? And my feeling is, not only is it an important project for us, it's the right thing to do. It's not just an important project. It is the responsible right thing to do. And if I look at all of the developments and all of the economic success we've had, this is non-bricks and mortar that's going to change our water systems and expand their uses, improve the quality, invest back into what we've taken advantage of. It's the right thing to do. 
and the timing is right. So I'm all in on the project. So then it just became, are you all in on fundraising for the project? And Steve said, I'd like this to be our last hurrah. You know, I really, we've worked on so many things together. He said, I really want this to be our, our last big project together. And I said, well, I don't. And the reason is I have a lot more plans to do a lot more, Steve, so you can let it be your last project, but it's not going to be mine. Um, it had to do with the importance of what it means for us as a community. And not just us, communities all around us. I mean, this is a big, big project. So it had to do with that, but I can tell you the thought of working with two guys that I hold so much respect for and so much appreciation for everything they've done, um, I wouldn't miss that opportunity either. Well, speaking as one of the individuals that's at one of those tables with you and watching you and Steve and Suku and other leaders help mentor others in the community that are those up-and-comer emerging leaders, you are also helping educate and mentor those, those folks. So not only are you tangibly building this incredible product and, and project for our state, but you're also providing some of those soft skills and mentorship opportunities to emerging leaders. It's, it's really wonderful. So thank you for saying yes. Well, you're very kind in saying that. And it makes me happy to hear you say that because I certainly had the benefit of learning from the generation prior to mine. And I think it, it made all the difference in any success that I achieved in volunteering my time back to the community. When you think about the next 20 years for the Greater Des Moines Partnership and the footprint, the impact that the partnership can have on the future of the region, what do you see? What's your vision? There are a couple things. Um, one, we've got to continue to not look beyond what we have. And when I say that, I'm talking about the companies that we have. You know, sometimes organizations spend all their time on what they don't have versus what they do. And we have to be very careful about that. You know, the economy is changing. We certainly are living in a global world. Uh, there is going to continue to be mergers and consolidations. And Des Moines has been absolutely blessed with some magnificent corporations that are very generous and have quality leaders. We've got to protect them. Now, when I say that, that's a big word. They're more capable of protecting themselves than we are protecting them. But when I say protect them, we need to listen to them. We need to stay close to them. We need to know what they need. Workforce development is something the partnership brought forth, the partnership embraced. That was beyond looking at bringing in new jobs. It was bringing in new people. And we're going to continue to see things like that over time. And part of it could be you know, the opportunities that arise by having other organizations that do work with our existing corporations, they would be better suited to be more centrally located to them. And how do we make that happen? Um, it's continuing to stay informed about what's important when we talk about quality of life. There was a time when we used to tout quality of life as our strength. In fact, that was something that was shared with me often when I was chair of the partnership. 
And my comment always was, you know, I spend a lot of time traveling across the country with the company I'm with. And I just want to share with you, quality of life in those other cities is pretty darn good. So don't think we have any magic here from a quality of life standpoint. Um, quality of life is important, but we also have to understand there's competition for that as well. The thing that Des Moines has, and I shouldn't say just Des Moines, Iowa has, is quality of people. So you move beyond quality of life to quality of people. We still have solid values. We're hardworking. When we say something, we do it. We have loyalty. Those are the things we need to continue to look strong at and make sure that we retain. Because there is something about Iowa that isn't just quality of life, it's quality of people. Thank you. Anything else, Steve, you'd like to touch on? I, I think I would just close by, again, thanking you for the opportunity. Um, um, I want to compliment you for continuing to build on what, again, was a good idea at the right time. But the way the partnership will continue to excel in its mission is people. Making sure that we always are staffed with the quality of people that hold themselves accountable for achieving the goals of this community. And that has been and will continue to be the difference. Very well said, and I couldn't agree more. And I'm delighted to be surrounded by wonderful colleagues who are doing fantastic work alongside our community volunteers and leaders to, to make things happen in our region. But Steve, thank you again for taking time to chat with us today and share the, the history of and the formation of the Greater Des Moines Partnership. I've heard this story from you, I think, almost 10 times, and every time I'm on the edge of my seat, leaning in, waiting for the next word. So thank you. Thank you very much. Steve, we appreciate your service, your dedication to the community, and it certainly has helped lead us to new heights. We're thankful for what you've done to help the partnership and DSM grow. And now we leave it to you, the listeners. It's up to you. What are you going to do to take that next step and push our region forward? Thanks for joining us on the One Voice DSM podcast. <laughs>